Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and I'm joined with Dr. Michael Shiglazian, and we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence in glaucoma today on the OI Show. Michael, thank you for joining us here. Um, appreciate it. So for those in the audience that you know may have never heard you speak or read any of your articles give, give us a little bit of a background oh, on yourself really? is that possible <laughs> it's i pers i personally don't i personally don't think it is but there may be some in the audience that don't know you of course there are um you know just speaking to my uh you know 25 plus years in uh, optometry um as a professor at the illinois college of optometry and uh, chief of staff at the illinois institute uh where um I have focused on glaucoma care and management and education for uh, almost uh, my entire time there. I graduated out of SUNY optometry and then did my residency at uh, then Pennsylvania College of Optometry and traveled out to Chicago to have uh, fun for a few years because that's what New Yorkers would only do in Chicago is visit and then get the heck out of there. And uh, I'm stuck here uh, 25 plus years later, but still having fun. Uh, teaching students, working with residents, uh, great faculty, a, a great college of optometry, and uh, I get to live and breathe uh, glaucoma care and management um, and have a lot of friends, uh, of course, across uh, the country in the glaucoma space, and uh, great to be here with you. So thanks for inviting me onto the uh, podcast. Yeah, thank thank you. I, I always enjoy your perspective on things, and in particular with glaucoma. This is one of the... Um, I would argue that it's one of the most cerebral conditions that we treat in optometry because it's it's a lot of work on our part and it takes a lot of critical thinking for a condition that's essentially for most individuals early and even in the moderate phases where it's highly asymptomatic. So yeah. we're doing a lot of stuff, we're doing a lot of treatments, patients are doing a lot of things and, and it involves a lot of heavy education on our part to make sure that they stay compliant with whatever that treatment is. but. I really wanted to get your perspective on several things. And, and the first thing I wanted to, to talk about is, you know, the diagnostics that we have and also the way that we have the ability to monitor progression over time has just advanced tremendously over the yeah. last two yeah. decades. That I, um, is, uh, that's really the, the game changer in my clinical practice, really now 10 years, um, has really been having an image management system where I can review my OCTs, visual fields, and photographs, and put all of my diagnostic data, you know, from the college, you know, we've got cornea center, dry eye center, retina, and all that. Um, but along with housing all of the diagnostic tests that we do in a, um, uh, a, a repository, a digital repository, sort of like a PACS system where hospitals would put their MRIs and everything, has been the uh, development of progression analysis software from uh, many of the major players in glaucoma care. And, uh, you know, we are always so focused on, does my patient have glaucoma or not have glaucoma? That's obviously just the first question. Um, and a more important question after you figure that one out is, uh, at what rate are they progressing? Because these are our patients for, you know, decades now. People mm -hmm. are living to be 90 plus. If you're taking on glaucoma patients in your practice, I love you and support you. Uh, let's do more of it because there's a lot of patients out there for us to take care of. And if optometry doesn't do it, then, you know, we don't want to turn this over to some other profession. Um, 
But the long-term management really requires decent hardware from a variety of manufacturers and the software to do the progression analysis so that you can see change over time as well as get a rate of progression calculation to know if your patient is what we call a slow progressor in glaucoma, about 80, 85% of our patients, or a rapid progressor, about 10, maybe 15% of patients who have you know, a more severe uh, advanced form of glaucoma. And you can see that by doing enough OCT tests and enough visual field tests, both are essential. We've not replaced perimetry with OCT. And uh, this uh, progression software will tell you how aggressively you need to treat that patient. I think it is interesting how quickly it's evolved. I remember sitting in class in 2000 and um, hearing a lecture on OCT technology at the time. This was the predecessor, what I saw mm -hmm. on the screen in the classroom of time yeah. domain. And I remember whispering to um, one of my classmates, we're, we're never going to need this technology in our practices. Well, we have four, we have four <laughs> locations and we have it in every one of our offices. But you hit on a really important point. We're, we're very um, transactional. We're very interactional when it comes to the patient visits. But we have this massive amount of quantitative data on these people. I mean, how yeah. important is it when we're looking at this rate of change that we truly sit down, take the time to assess this to make sure that we have the appropriate plan in place long-term for these people because we're living we're living longer and we want to preserve the quality of life for yeah. these patients longer. I mean, the, the, the sayings that we hear around on social media, the news and everything, data is king, uh, information is power, uh, is all very true in optometry in so many ways. Uh, and that goes, I think, for dry eye and uh, refractions and eyewear and everything else. And so in glaucoma care in particular, though, because it's a chronic disease, they have it for life, it's you know, potentially vision threatening and blinding, um, managing that data and, and holding it safe and, and having good quality data really puts the practitioner uh, in a huge advantage uh, compared to other practitioners that don't have that. And it's not that difficult to do the analysis. I mean, mm -hmm. they make it pretty simple for yeah. you, but there's definitely some sort of a little bit of a fear factor sometimes, or a little bit of that's too much, or I don't need that. And, you know, there's, there's that slippery slope with optometry of, am I doing enough glaucoma to make it worthwhile for me to have the investment and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, certainly at this point in time, you have to have an OCT device. You have to have a perimeter, you know, with, I think with progression software mm -hmm. um, to really be doing the game. You can make a diagnosis, but you really probably shouldn't be managing them too long unless it's, unless you know it's a very stable, mild, you know, pre-glaucoma thing that's not really true glaucoma. Well, this brings us up to the next next thing I wanted to really kind of pick your brain on because, again, the, the, the companies that create the OCTs and that create the visual fields, they've given us these tools that we have the ability to manage these patients with, with their progression analysis, again, both structurally and functionally. This is changing so rapidly and um, artificial intelligence is kind of peeking its head into this space in eye care. Tell us a little bit about that and what you foresee as the future of glaucoma care in the presence of artificial intelligence and, and how you really um, foresee us utilizing this in clinical practice. Um, well, there are a number of companies that are working on this right now. So um, I, you know, many people know that uh, artificial intelligence 
uh, has been approved by the FDA for the detection of diabetic rhinopathy. Uh, the sensitivity and specificity is upwhere near 95%. Um, what you can tell from an ophthalmic photograph of the fundus includes gender, age, I mean, a whole host of things that you would never think that you could tell from, from a, a digital photograph of the back of the eye. Um, and the same has been and continues to be applied uh, in development to glaucoma. Now, there's, you know, of course, a wide range of glaucomatous appearance to the optic nerve. Uh, but once you start adding in additional pieces of information to your disc photo analysis, so you do AI on, uh, on uh, a digital photograph, you add to it potentially a visual field and an OCT, and a, you know, you don't even really want or need IOP. I mean, that's, that's not the most sensitive indicator as we know. Um, and that is a lot of information for practitioners to juggle. Now, the AI tool software is only going to give a, you know, a limited guarded recommendation. That information has to be reviewed, verified, um, uh, correlated to the patient, individualized by the practitioner. So our jobs are gonna change. Uh, our responsibilities in the exam room are gonna change within you know, five years, certainly within 10 years. And it, it'll be slow at first, it's not gonna revolutionize and, and take over everything, but, but those who um, are doing glaucoma care, and, so, you know, tools that you need, you're going to need photographs, you know, uh, you know, big companies, Google, you know, they feed hundreds of thousands of digital fundus photographs into an AI program. And we talked about this at this year's uh, OGS meeting at the Academy of Optometry meeting. And uh, it's very simple programming. You tell the, the, uh, the computer what to look at in the photograph. You just got to give it a lot of information and correct it and adjust it. And then it can get to be very accurate in telling whether or not that patient has glaucoma or not based on a fundus photograph. And then you can stage it and, and give it additional information based on your OCT and your visual field. And that will be the new type of analysis that we're doing, um, software-based, but you need some hardware or the patient needs, you know, to have the, the um, uh, the digital imaging done at some point in time. I mean, you think about the um, you think about the teaching aspect of that, and imagine giving a student that much experience and how comfortable they can get with a disease or a condition after seeing that many images, and it yeah. it becomes much more real from a software analysis perspective when you think about it that way, because these programs are oftentimes learning like we do only without the um, human emotion in it. And right. also they don't screw up. I mean, it, it's a binary decision. It's a, it's a yes, no. So if you tell yep. it this once, it will always think this or in a certain pathway. I do think that there's, um, you know, whenever we talk about all this information and managing it through, through AI, it is encouraging to me that we maybe at some point will have an easier profile or way to kind of at least substantiate some of our decisions as well, too. I mean, clinically, we're all busy and we're assessing a lot of information. Like you said, we're looking at real live fundus images at the slit lamp. We're looking at photos. We're looking at OCT yeah. images. We're looking at visual fields. We're thinking about gonioscopy findings. We're thinking about, you know, we didn't even talk about pressures, but we're talking about the only influential kind of 
thing that we can do to manage this condition. So it can be a lot. So if artificial intelligence can actually help us clinically, I think that's that's going to be a massive win for us and more importantly for for patients. We are, we are multitasking too much. Yeah. And so, you know, and so going back to what I first started off by talking about, which is uh, the progression analysis part, it changed my practice pattern in glaucoma to, you know, having to spend more time with the data and, and a little bit less time with the patient. Unfortunately, I, I realize that that's, you know, that's a, a, a not a great thing, but there is so much information in the data. You have to be very efficient at analyzing it. And obviously a software analysis or, you know, software analytical program can really help guide us. Mm-hmm. And then we need to put in as the physician, the checks and balances to make sure that they, the the uh, software got it right. There's obviously, there will be some mistakes. It's not a hundred percent. And, um, and we still have to individualize to the patient because there's always other considerations. So we have a great future, uh, but it is a little bit of a different uh, educational experience and training experience um, and maybe different comfort level for some people. I mean, and how important do you think this is? So in the next one, three, five, 10 years with the baby boomers, and we know that glaucoma, the risk for glaucoma increases um, as we age. How, yeah. how important do you think this is for optometry to really kind of be um, truly embracing this and, yeah. and walking the technological walk with where we are in order to improve care in these patients? Well, in the next 20 years, the number of individuals with glaucoma in this country are going to just about double. Wow. From about 3.6 or 7 million to well over six, you know, seven million individuals wow. with glaucoma. And, you know, I expect it'll probably be about the same as it is now. Only half of them will be diagnosed. Many of them won't know that they have it. Fortunately for many, you know, they don't have visual harm or you know, lose visual function from glaucoma disease. But that could change as we get to more 90-year-olds, you know. Uh, that was old information from the, well, I don't know, 80s, 90s, whenever, and the life expectancy was a lot less. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, that's why I talked about this rate of progression is so uh, important to identify so that when you diagnose somebody who's 65 with glaucoma and they've got 30 more years to live, uh, you want to make an early diagnosis and you want to treat them just as aggressively as necessary. You don't want to overtreat them. You know, we have mostly still the same treatments, you know, great, you know, newish medications with rokinase inhibitors and uh, nitric oxide and all the traditional prostaglandins and everything else. Uh, we have a couple new medications, perhaps, but nothing revolutionary. And we have lasers and MIGs and all of that stuff. And, you know, that's still, that's always going to be there turning over and changing a little bit. Um, so it's really about the diagnosis and uh, assessing a target pressure and getting there uh, appropriately for your patients. Yeah, I, um, you, you've really done a nice job summarizing this whole thing, the platform with where we are with um, diagnostics and how important all of this is, in particular when we start talking about things like artificial intelligence and, again, over what is going to happen to the number of glaucoma patients that are actually out there. I just think this is becoming um, yep. increasingly important, and, and it is. So they're, just- they're in our offices. My word of caution will be if optometry, and I hate to be a little bit of a naysayer, but if we don't grab this and own this, the artificial intelligence will allow other professions to potentially step in. 
You know, I mean, I think there's just always a risk there of, you know, of being relegated to uh, technicians in other offices. And that's way down the road. I'm not saying that, you know, optometry, uh, optometry has a lot of threats and a lot of opportunities. Um, and I don't, you know, but uh, I, I guess maybe it's more a plea for everyone to be involved with uh, the care and management of glaucoma and, and don't have AI be uh, a fear factor, don't have progression analysis or OCTs or visual fields uh, be any sort of fear factor. Um, these are relatively easy patients to take care of and and a great practice builder. Michael, we appreciate you being on. We appreciate your perspective. We appreciate your view on these topics. Thank thank you so much for taking um, a part of your valuable time to be on here today. Appreciate being here. Uh, Have a great evening. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Optometric Insights.